0: This is going to be one of those episodes, isn't it? After the kickoff for WrestleMania, oh, I got a lot to say about that. But not only that, we got a lot of news to discuss. This is episode 249 of No One's Ready for Wrestling as we talk professional wrestling and give my thoughts on the news that I read in the shows that I watch. For those of you who are new, allow me to introduce myself. I am the one, the only Phoenix that rises from the ashes. It is yabai, Shino Phoenix. And I want to thank y'all so much for taking your time on the weekends to listen to this episode of this podcast. And we got a lot to go over. We got a lot of shit to talk about. But we will start with NXT Vengeance Day. I got my thoughts on that. I thought overall it was a good show. What was the match of the night and what happened at the end? Um on the AEW side, we got news on the mentality of several stars who wrestled on Collision. Camille is no longer WWE bound and is likely to be AEW bound. Uh Paul Wright is has said that he is getting replacement knee surgery. Um Sky Blue was the workhorse of AEW last year. Um, There's talks of a talent from another promotion, I'll give you the wild guess because you see it on on television a lot, to be used at Forbidden Door. And we're going to talk about what I think was one of the best episodes of AEW Dynamite. And we're going to talk about Sting. And Darby Allen versus Ricky Starks and Big Bill. And what happened at the end of Dynamite. And where this is all leading to for a Revolution. The big story coming out of TNA. And this is a shocker. Because this is how I found out while I was streaming Fortnite. Scott Demore is fired from TNA. And Anthony, if I pronounce this wrong. Anthony Sicion... Anthony is named the TNA wrestling president. I got thoughts on that. And my my reaction is pretty much the same as you guys. And apparently TNA wrestlers are very angry about Scott DeMore's firing. Now. Speaking of um founders getting fired. Road fires stardom founder Rossi Ogawa. We got news on that. And. What's going to happen with stardom in particular? And just, I, I got my thoughts on Tony Khan celebrating Rossi Ogawa's firing. And uh, it, it's just not a good look, in my honest opinion. Uh, and on the WWE side, on the WWE side, things are going to get worse for Vince McMahon. And trust me, after what I'm reading, because one of them involves Ashley Massaro, it gets even worse. Uh, we got news on Nat. We got news on Jay Cargill, Andrade. What's their plans in WWE? Ava deletes her Twitter account after um receiving death threats. Which I I don't understand these fans. Cause I I talked about it on the uh on the last episode of my podcast. You're not a fan if you do stuff like that. Dakota Kai. It's close to her return and what I think they should do with DK. And Amari Miller confirms that she is no longer with WWE. So we got news on that. We're going to talk about Monday Night Raw, the fallout for Vengeance Day. And we'll also talk SmackDown. And we'll talk about the WrestleMania kickoff, which I thoroughly enjoyed. I honestly enjoyed. But, um... Yeah, we got a lot to talk about. So, make sure you strap in. And this is an episode you don't want to miss because I got a lot on my mind when it comes to this. So, make sure you follow me on Twitter, Phoenix. On occasions, I will live tweet for Raw, NXT, uh, SmackDown, Dynamite, Rompage, uh, Collision, or any other wrestling stuff. Like when it's news, I will talk about it. That's big. <clears throat> and um, we will also talk about um, gaming stuff, which I do on Twitter, and I do my usual shout outs to show those that, to show support to those that I care about. Uh, so make sure you follow me, Shino D Phoenix. You can follow me on Instagram, Shino Phoenix. Yeah, like I said, it's no longer Cool Man Sip. If you've been listening for the past episodes, I usually say Cool Man Sip, but it's Shino Phoenix. The Cool Man Sip moniker is gone. So you can follow me there. I've been actually grinding on there too. Speaking of grinding, I I am grinding on TikTok as well. So if you want to follow me on the Tiki please do so. It is Shino D. Phoenix. I will be posting a meme after the recording. Um... And subscribe to my YouTube channel. No one's ready for wrestling. Not no one's ready for wrestling. Shino D Phoenix. That's the Facebook one. Um, Like the Facebook page. No one's ready for wrestling. That way you guys can stay up to date on the podcast. Um, But yeah. All that. Let's get this out the way. Let's talk NXT Vengeance Day first. I want to start with this one first. Because I honestly enjoyed NXT Vengeance Day. I did not do um, (coughs) a live reaction. Just because I was not feeling it. I was just not feeling it. And I forgot that it was on the Sunday. But I needed a Sunday to recharge. But um, I enjoyed the show overall. I thought the matches were pretty good. Well, some of the matches were good. Some of them were just... Some of them was eh. But let's just, let's just talk about it, shall we? We kick things off with the Dusty Rose Tag Team Classic Finals. Braun Breaker and Baron Corbin. The Wolf Dogs taking on... Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams, Trick Mellow Gang, and this was a really hot opener. I thought this was a great opener. Bron Breaker, man. Let, let me let me talk about Bron Breaker for a sec. This man has star written all over his face, literally. The man is a fucking star. Whether you want to see it or not, it he he's a he's a star. He is legitimately a star. And I I honestly would recommend you guys watch what he did to Carmelo Hayes. He did like an inverted suplex and turned it into a cutter. Which was fucking great. I'm not going to lie. That was amazing. That was one of the greatest things I have ever, ever seen. And I loved every second of it. That was fantastic absolutely fantastic but you had fucking um Carmelo Hayes taking the bullet from Trick Williams because he was elite because Carmelo's the legal man Braun's the legal man um he pushes Trick Williams away from Braun spear which is honestly one of the best spears in pro wrestling like I I love his spear it's just so brutal and quick and Braun almost decapitated himself because the man is so fast, he almost had a whiplash when he went through the, when his head hit the, uh, when his neck hit the, like, top rope. And I'm like, oh, man, he needs to slow down. No wonder how Nathan Frazier felt about that. But Braun Breaker and Baron Corbin, they won the um, Dusty Rose Tag Team Classic, which the right team won. Because it's going to set... And I've been saying it. It's going to set up for what's going to happen in the main event. And I loved every second of this match. I thought this was great. It was a great opener. And I got to say this about Baron Corbin. I know people give Baron Corbin a lot of shit. During his time in WWE. But him returning to NXT was the best move that he has ever made. In his entire career. He feels like his genuine self. He's not... A gimmick. He's not like. He's not being hang tied by some shit. Like, he feels like a genuine fucking person. He feels like he's having fun. And that's the thing that matters to me the most. He's having fun. And you can see that. I see it. He's having the best time of his life. And him winning the Dusty Cup with Bron Breaker. I see big things for this guy. But mostly for Braun Breaker. Mostly for Braun Breaker, in my honest opinion. We had a no-disqualification match between Dijak and Joe Gacy. I thought this was a fun match. Like, I went into this match cold, but coming out of it, I thought this was really fun. Lots of creative spots in the match where they had these fucking toy soldiers stacked in the chair. Not the chair, in the table, which was ouch that's all I can say ouch <laughs> and DiJack literally landed on it which was which was really painful but one of my favorite spots in this match was when Joe Gacy had this duct tape and he just tied it on DiJack's eye because you because his finisher is feast your eyes remember this now DiJack pulls his inner daredevil this man pulls his inner daredevil, hits the feast your eyes <coughs> on Joe Gacy, and then he had to take the uh, the duct tape off of his eye. He goes for the cover, but two count. But he manages to hit feast your eyes on Joe Gacy again, and it was a much-needed win for Dijak. It was a much-needed win for Dijak because the guy's been losing nonstop. And if I am correct, his contract... With this company comes up pretty soon. And. I would do everything in my power to keep Dijak. The guy's amazing. And if you look at Joe Gacy after the loss. He was smiling. He was smiling the whole time. If that doesn't tell you the feud is not over. Then the feud is not over. I could tell you that right now. It's not over. Um, that's just. How I see it. Um, but I, I enjoyed it i enjoyed it i thought this was pretty fun and a much-needed win for a we had the d'angelo family tony d'angelo channing stack lorenzo and adriana rizzo taking on otm out off the mud bronco Nima, lucian price and jada parker this match I i, I gotta be honest like don't get me wrong i thought the talent was pretty good but i just i was not feeling this match and mostly because, mostly because it's just you got your tag team champions not defending their titles. But I get why they had the six, this mixed tag match is to give Adriana Rizzo and Jada Parker like a big spotlight. I mm. mean, and they're getting there. Don't get me wrong. They're getting there. It's just that I was not feeling this. Like, I was not feeling this match. I just did not really, it's like, something just did not. Click with me when it come, when it came to this match. <clears throat> but. Um, like I said. The talent is not bad. It's just. I wasn't feeling it. This was literally the weakest match. On the entire show. It felt more like a televised match. Than the. Like a big NXT takeover as match. This felt like it should have been on television. But. The D'Angelo family, they got the win with uh, Tony D'Angelo pinning, I believe, Lucian Price for the win. And I think this is just them getting momentum. I don't know where this is going, but we'll see. But we know the feud is not over. We already know this. The feud is not over. (coughs) We had the NXT women's title on the line, our first championship match. We had Lyra Valkyria taking on Roxanne Perez. The first half of the match was pretty slow. And it started to pick up in the middle. This is the typical match 101. And Lola Vice came in. She cashed in her opportunity, making this a triple threat match. And I thought Lola Vice looked great. She hanged with two of the best. Now, do I think she should have cashed in when the match was over? Yes. But I get why they did that. They want to put the spotlight on Lola Vice, Which I think they did a good job. And she mixed her MMA background with the pro wrestling. And I thought she did good. She came close to winning twice. She came close to winning twice. And you had Tatum Paxley getting involved. Which she was going to play a role regardless. And Lyra Valkyria hit... um. Lola Weiss with the Michinoku driver to win and retain. Roxanne Perez did not get pinned in this match. So she can have a legit claim to get another shot. Because Lola Weiss had to cash in her opportunity. And it was supposed to be me and you, not her. Which later on during the show, if you go backstage, you see... Lola Vice and Roxanne brawling backstage and they had to be broken up. So that's gonna play a part in uh what's gonna happen in NXT. But Lyra winning and retaining, I mean, I did not mind it. I, I and speaking of Roxanne, there's really nothing else for Roxanne to do on NXT. There's nothing else for her to do on NXT unless they're trying to turn her heel because Cora Jade's gonna be out for a long time. And I guarantee fucking T. I guarantee that the original plan was for Cora J to win and potentially and potentially beat um Lyra Valkyria. I feel like that was the plan that they should have done. But no, they didn't do it. But I'm not mad at it. And it's it's okay. It's okay. And I'm fine with that. Because they protected um because I love that they protected uh, Roxanne. That's the best thing I loved about it. Now, what I also love is this vignette that we got. <coughs> so, this is a vignette. It says, A man has three faces. One for the world, one for the family, and the real one no one sees that reflects the evil he possesses. With no further explanation. And doing some research with this vignette. We found out that that's actually a Japanese saying. That's actually a Japanese saying. For who? We don't know. And people are saying it's Julia. It's not Julia. I could give you the reasons why. Like it's the newest member of NXT. I don't know who it is like people are saying that it's okada people are saying it's tamatanga we don't know we don't know the three faces is a primi- is a japanese proverb this is a proverb for cuz everybody did their research i'm like man this is intriguing i'm intrigued by where this goes but we'll see who it is. If it's somebody that surprises us, I'm going to be on the ride for it. <coughs> we had the NXT North American Championship on the line. As Obafemi defends his NXT North American Championship against Dragon Lee. I love this match. And this was, for me, the, way I, the, the thing I took away from this match is this was a test for Obafemi on a bigger platform. And I think he passed with flying colors. He hanged with Dragon Lee. He did the power moves in the first half. Dragon Lee was all about the speed. Like, he made Obafemi look like a million bucks. He made Obafemi look like a million bucks. And we knew Dragon Lee was not going to get back the title. This was a big win for Obafemi. And he retained and he passed, like I said, with flying colors. Now, the question is, who is next to challenge Obafemi? We don't know. But I thought he was impressive, and Obafemi is great. If you look at that entrance he did at NXT Vengeance Day, holy shit, that's all I can say, holy shit, it was amazing. Now, speaking of amazing, we get to the main event. Ilya Dragunov defending his NXT championship Against Trick Williams. I could go on. And on. And on. And on about how fantastic. This match was. Ilya. Has never. Had a bad match. Ever since coming to WWE. Ilya Dragunov. Has already just solidified himself as one of the best. And not only that, he made Trick Williams look like a main event player. He made him look like a main event player. Trick Williams. Like, I could go on and on about Trick Williams. The guy is over. He is super fucking over. And every time I watch this man, he never, never, never disappoints. And... This match, I rewatched this match, and the biggest thing I took away from this is Vic Joseph. Say what you want about Vic Joseph, he was phenomenal on commentary for that match. He was phenomenal in that match, and if that does not tell you how good Vic Joseph can be, I don't know what would tell. I don't know what else would say. But there was blood in this match. Elia was bleeding. Um, Trick Williams was bleeding. There was blood. It was a blood match. And the knee played a part for Elia. Like there was a near there was a close one where Trick Williams had the match one, had the ref not get bumped. Trick hit the trick knee on Elia, and he had the match won. And the ending, man. Holy shit. The ending of this match was one of my favorite endings in a wrestling match. One of my favorite endings in pro wrestling, period. You had Trick, trying to go for the Trick knee. Elia comes in with a torpedo Moscow. It was like two cars colliding, but it was Elia's torpedo Moscow that got that got the full advantage. And Elia... Retains in an excellent fucking match with Trick Williams. Trick was the star of this match. He, like I could go on and on about Elia Dragonoff. I could go on and on about how this man is just making people look great. Elia is a fucking beast. He is a fucking beast. I will say that every single time. This man never, never, never disappoints when it comes to bad matches and Trick Williams he made himself a this was his star making performance right here this was his star making performance and once once Elia left the ring you had Carmelo <coughs> and trick in the ring by themselves. And you know where this was going. You know where this was going. And I said, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. So Carmelo, he goes forehead to forehead with Trick and reassures him that he was close. And he's his boy Trick Mello Gang forever. You see that NXT logo on the left side. And once it goes away, you know what's going to happen. This is the same thing with Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa. It's the same thing when CM Punk made his return to WWE. You should know by now what was going to happen. In the end, Carmelo Hayes revealed his true colors and he chop blocks Trick Williams. He goes under the ring and grabs a steel chair, walks on Trick's knee over... He wails on Trick's knee over and over... And he unfolds the chair and sits on it. And Trick is... Rhythm, he's rhythms in pain. <coughs> and the crowd is chanting, Fuck you, Mello. Never in my life did I, in WWE, would I hear a fuck you, Mello chant. That's how you know you're doing an excellent job as a heel. And... Carmelo, he walks out. He's saying, you guys did this. You did this. And I have been saying it since day fucking one that it was Carmelo Hayes. But people didn't believe me. People didn't believe me. I put on my detective glasses. I watched too many true crimes to know that it was Carmelo who did it. But overall, this was a real, it was strong in the beginning. It was strong in the end. The middles were a mixed bag. Like, some were good, some were weak. Some, like, I thought overall this was a really good NXT Vengeance Day. And I am looking forward to Stand and Deliver. Which is their WrestleMania. And I can already tell you we're going to get Carmelo Hayes against Trick Williams. And expect a live reaction on Twitch. Just doing the plug right there. We're going to live react on Stand and Deliver. We're going to live react for WrestleMania both nights. And we're going to have a good time. So that's going to be the fun part. But overall, like I said, I thought this was an enjoyable uh, NXT Vengeance Day. Now let's get to the AEW news. Let's talk AEW, AEW, AEW. And we're going to start with the mentality backstage for several wrestlers who wrestle on Collision. (laughs) <laughs> Excuse me. When AEW Collision first launched last year, the show on TNT that aired every Saturday night was originally planned to be built around CM Punk as he was an exclusive to the show. Um however, All Elite Wrestling quickly pivoted away from that after Punk was released just months after the show premiered following his backstage altercation with Jack Perry at All In. Since then, the show has been built around several stars, including Eddie Kingston, Adam Copeland, and Brian Danielson. While speaking on the Wrestling Observer Radio, Dave Meltzer noted the mentality among the top stars who work the show is trying to get newer talent over and making them bigger stars. Unlike on Dynamite, where established stars wrestle each other, collision, top stars work with underneath stars, That are not usually used in prominent roles. Now Melsa said and I quote. Well the thing. With with the thing with Brian Danielson is like he's. A lot of the things the guys on Collision. With a lot of guys. Is there's a mentality on the show. With the guys who were you know. If you want to call them the booker of the show. Or assistant bookers. Because Tony's the booker. But the assistant bookers of the show, and their mentality is 100%, let's get other people over, but we still have to win because you know they're key guys. Whether it's Eddie Kingston, Brian Danielson, can't lose to to Hechicero, um, but he's trying to get these guys, whatever it is, a job or whatever. Which I like. I think that's a good... I think that's a good... Uh, Mindset, like get people who you're you're not familiar with, get them over, and people will see that. Even though some people may not watch Collision, I mean, I could DVR at any time, <clears throat> but it's a smart way to get those who are not featured and put them in a prominent role against some of the top talents to showcase their talent. And I like that. I think that's a good move. I honestly think that's a good mindset to have. <clears throat> If you want to build new talent. And... I I love it. That's all I can say. I love it. Now... Remember Camille... When we talked about... Her possibly being WWE bound? Apparently that is not the case. And... She could become All Elite... As the promotion looks to continue to revamp its women's division... Which is something that everybody and their moms talked about. The women's division needs to improve. And they're taking the slow step to improve it. But it all depends on the booking. That's the thing that matters. Now, for those of you who don't know Camille, she has been a regular on NWA since October of 2020. No, I'm about to say 2028. We're not even in that year. 2018. She has been expected to join WWE and work in NXT. She was backstage at the January 18th Dynamite event where she was visiting, raising questions about whether she could be AEW bound instead. Now, Mike Johnson, a PW Insider, reports that the former NWA Women's Champion is no longer expected to be WWE bound. One source in WWE stated in the past that she had been offered an NXT deal. However, per the reports, discussions are not moving forward. Instead, she has been in deep discussions with AEW, where it has been seen as a stronger destination for her. By going to AEW, it would also let her pursue her big goal in acting. And honestly, like I could see Camille... In AEW. Like, she is no stranger to AEW. Go back to the pandemic era. Where she was the NWA Women's Champion. Like, I could see her in that mix with the women as well. And not only that, you got Serena Deeb. Thunder Rosa. You got Camille be a part of it. You got Camille being a part of this. And a possibility of mercedes Monet, Which, I mean, is pretty much confirmed right there. By Tony Khan's announcement. The women's division is getting better and better, but it's a slow approach. There's a lot of things they could work on, but we are here for the ride. And if Tony plays his cards right, if Tony plays his cards right, then he could have possibly a really good women's division that people will talk about instead of it being the laughing stock by the IWC. Like Camille going to AEW, I would not mind it at all. I think she will fit better there than she would in WWE. But that doesn't say that that's not to say that, oh, she's not gonna fit in WWE. Yes, she can. It's just they did not talk to Merced they did not talk to Camille. And that's on them. That's on them. That's their loss. That's AEW's gain. And I think she'll do well in uh AEW if they book her properly. <coughs> Now, Big Show, Paul Wright, is going under the knife yet again. Now, for those of you who don't know why um, he's getting replacement knee surgery, but to give you the recap, Paul Wright, a.k.a. Big Show, shocked a lot of people when he left WWE after being with the company for almost 20 years. And he joined AEW in February, where he wrestled a few matches, and he has worked as an announcer. Um, he returned to the ring on a November episode of Dynamite where Kota Ibushi, uh, Paul Wright, and the Golden Jets, Jericho and Omega, defeated Brian Cage and the Don Callis family, which is Konosuke Takeshita, Powerhouse Hobbs, and Kyle Fletcher, in a street fight. A lot of people were concerned of, with how, how Wright was walking due to his knees, Jericho and Paul White reunited on the Jericho Cruise where they were wearing their retro gear for their match from their time as a tag team in WWE. Now, as you can see, in a short conversation with a fan on the cruise, Paul White says, I'm going to get knee surgery. It's un unpl- Now, it's unplanned. Uh, it's unclear when he plans to get the knee replacement surgery, but I hope... That it goes well for him. It sucks that he has to go under the knife again. But... um. You could tell, man. He is just... His time is coming, man. Like, his time in the ring is dwindling down. He doesn't need to be in the ring. I, I feel like he needs to just be, like... A producer. Or be in a role. Like, coaching. Give talent. Younger talent some advice. But uh, I hope... The knee replacement surgery goes well for Paul White. I hope and pray that it goes well, and that's all I could say about it. And I want to say congratulations to Sky Blue. She was the workhorse of AEW. Now AEW star Claudio Castagnoli appeared on Adrian Hernandez's YouTube channel, and he talked, and he was asked about being a workhorse, and. He said, I always used to be in the top 5 or 10 of the most matches whenever I was. I was up to 200 matches a year or 4 or 5 years straight. To be fair, Orange Cassidy had the most AEW matches. I had the most AEW and Ring of Honor matches combined. But the most matches, even more than me and Orange, was Sky Blue. So you know, like props to her because that's that's how we get better. That's how you show... Uh, that you want it and i'm really happy for sky blue she is in, she is improving she's another talent that i love that is literally improving for the betterment of this company and to see to hear that she's the workhorse makes me happy it really makes me happy and hopefully she continues to improve and I guarantee great things are going to come for her with, with this mindset. I'm telling you right now, great things are going to come for her. Now, Forbidden Door. Let's talk about Forbidden Door. New Japan and AEW. <clears throat> the third annual Forbidden Door pay-per-view has not been announced for this year, but is expected to take place. And in 2024, a change could be made. The event was typically takes place in June last year. No, in June, last year's show pulled a gate of $1.2 million with 13,600 fans in attendance and 13,100 paid. Um, the show was highly praised thanks to several matches, including Will Ospreay beating Kenny Omega for the IWGP United States title and Brian Danielson defeating Okada in the main event. While speaking with the Wrestling Observer Radio, Dave Meltzer noted that having CMLL talent under the card for the upcoming pay-per-view is absolutely being talked about. And they've been showcasing a lot of CMLL stars, so not only are you going to get New Japan in the mix, you're going to get CMLL in the mix, which I do not have an issue with that. Like, as of late, AEW's been using CMLL talents, which, look, I don't keep up with CMLL. I don't keep up with their promotions, but they had Mystical, Volador Jr., Mascara Dorada, and Hechicero taking on Matt Menard, Angelo Parker, Matt Seidel, and Christopher Daniels on last week's Rampage, which I was there, and it was a fun match. And Brian Danielson took on Hechicero on Collision, which I heard was an excellent match. And I could definitely see CMLL being represented in Forbidden Door. I think it would make the most sense. Because they've been featuring them more than they did New Japan this year. So, I could definitely see that being the case. But uh, we'll see where it goes from here. Now, let's talk AEW Dynamite. AEW, this was, in my honest opinion... One of the best, one of the best uh, episodes of Dynamite that I have ever, ever seen. This took place at the Phoenix Footprint Center, the Footprint Center, and we continue to build towards AEW Revolution. And what's the best way you kick off this match? You kick it off with Hangman Page versus Swerve Strickland, round three. And these two did not disappoint. These two did not disappoint. This was an excellent, excellent match. With the right outcome being a draw. Like, I was thinking maybe they were going to do a double countout, which they didn't do. <clears throat> but this felt also like a double turn as well. Because people were rooting for uh, Swerve Strickland. Trust me, everybody knows talent. Everybody knows. I mean, I will root for Swerve anytime. Swerve when I drive. In the ring, you lost your mind. Um, but this was, how would I put this? This this match was insane. This was an an insane fucking match, and I'm really proud that that I'm a pro wrestling fan because you get to see shit like this. You get to see stuff like this, and and I I loved it. I loved every second of this uh <coughs> of this match. Near fall after near falls. Swerve hitting the buckshot lariat and hitting the dead eye right right off the apron and into the table. The focus on Swerve's ankle and his neck. A near count out by Swerve. Like I could go on and on, but the ending was great. Swerve hit the JML driver. And one, two, the time runs out. This ended in a 30-minute time limit draw. And people were not happy about it, but I was not not upset about it. I thought this was the right move to make. Because this is going to set up to what's going to happen later on. Well, not later on, right now. Strickland gets on the mic and says... I didn't go through all of that to have it end like this. He acts for five more minutes. And Paige points out that Strickland had to beat me to become the number one contender. And he will not be world champion. It's over. And he leaves. And he's laughing about it. And Tony Schiavone gets on the mic and he says, I just got word from Tony Khan. And he says, it's not done yet. Because at Revolution, we got two number one contenders. It will be Samoa Joe defending his title against Hangman Page and Swerve Strickland. And again, the match was excellent. This was another excellent match. Already in the caliber for match of the month. And my takeaway from this, it looks like we are seeing a double turn. It looks like Hangman Page is going heel and Swerve is gonna be a face, which honestly it will make the most sense. And I still question WWE, why did you let go of Swerve? You could have had a top star right there. And you fucked okay. up. You done fucked up and you got nobody to blame but yourself. Now Samoa Joe is backstage and he says, Neither men, neither of these men deserve to be in the ring with me. People don't want like, are we celebrating mediocrity? Gee. I actually agree with Samoa Joe on that one. People don't want him as their champion, but they have no choice. No matter what they do, come Revolution, I will walk out as champion, and both of them will suffer because of it. And as I look through Revolution, Hangman Page is clearly taking the lose and fall. Swerve is going to be protected because he is going to face Samoa Joe and potentially win the title... At double or nothing. I think that is the destination. That we will be heading. Going into. Uh, the build. And I have no issue with this at all. I literally have no issue with it. I think it's the right thing to do. We had Tony Storm. Taking on Red Velvet. And you had Deonna Purrazzo on commentary. Which they announced that Deonna Purrazzo. Who has won what? Two or three matches. Getting a title shot against tony storm at revolution which i already know the match is going to be good don't get me wrong the match is going to be fantastic but the way i see it like it just makes the ranking systems like eh, it's like it's not even needed at this point but i understand why but already people are shitting on it but tony storm and red velvet i thought they had a fun match with tony storm winning via submission and she refuses to let go of the hold after the match until Perrazzo gets in the ring. So they come face to face. Tony is sniffing Deanna, which honestly, why would you sniff a woman? And Luthus pulls them apart and sends the champion back up to the ring apron with Mariah May. Now we go backstage and we see Renee Paquette is with Orange Cassidy. Who is going to be competing in a six-man on Friday before defending the title? He says it will be fine. They give a medical update on uh, Chuck Taylor as he's getting checked on right now, and they did do the hands in the middle while Renee actually wanted them to do the hands in the middle, and we got it. And there's that. Um, we have Blackpool Combat Club, Brian Danielson, Claudio Castagnoli, and. Gian Moxley taking on Team CMLL, which is Hechicero, Dorada, and Volador. And, again, this was a fun match. Nice Lucha Libre stuff, just to give the guys at CMLL some time in the ring. (coughs) But it was Claudio who low-blowed, I believe, Dorada. And he rolled him up for the win. And then after that, you had three other CMLL stars. I don't I didn't catch their names. I know Mystico was one, was one of them. They hopped off the uh barrier and they surround the Blackpool Combat Club. And you had Christopher Daniels, uh Daddy Magic, and um I think Angelo Parker or Matt Sidell. Made the save. So, pretty much they even things out. And I smell a big tag match for Revolution. I think that's the destination we're going to be heading. Now, we go backstage. We see the Kingdom. They're attacking Chuck Taylor. I don't know where this is going to go. But, um, it is what it is. Now, we get to Tony Khan's big announcement. And, you know, these announcements. They're a ratings ploy. When the ratings are down. But... I think this is a big deal right here. He says AEW, which was already spoiled, is returning to Boston in March. And if you notice the big business logo, if you see the Boston logo, you can see that it's spelled with two S's. Which is clearly a reminder that Mercedes Monet is coming to AEW. Now, he says it will be an important night for AEW. Now, In March, if he could pull off getting mercedes Monet and getting Kazushka Okada to sign with AEW, that's a big get. That is a big fucking get. And Mercedes is no doubt going to AEW. Like, she does not need WWE because she's already done everything except win the Royal Rumble. (coughs) Except win the Royal Rumble. Um... She's done everything that she needs to do in WWE. So why not have your stock go up a little bit more? And if you want to give her a first match, and I agree with Solomon when he said this, is put her up against Willow Nightingale. That was the last time these two had a match. So why not? And we all know Mercedes is coming. She's coming on uh, the day after Revolution. The, raw, like the AEW after Revolution. And hopefully they deliver because, look, we all know Mercedes is coming. We know we know that. And if you get Okada, you, not only that, you get Will Ospreay, you get Okada, you get Mercedes, shit, that's a big get. And it could be 2021? Yeah, 2021 all over again when you got Adam Cole and Bryan Danielson. It's a possibility. You never know. But the big business, it should be pretty good. We had Konosuke Takeshita taking on Chris Jericho. As much as I said the match was good, I want to know, and I I asked Tony Khan as a wrestling fan, what now after he beat, after Konosuke beat Chris Jericho? What now? And don't get me wrong, the match was good because Kanosuke is fucking talented in his own right. He is so goddamn talented. And what pisses me off is that he has beaten Kenny Omega twice, who is a former AEW world champion. And he has beaten Chris Jericho with the Lion Tamer. He beat Jericho with his own finisher. And he's also a former AEW world champion. What gets me is that how are you gonna follow this up? And this wasn't a clean win because Don Callis came in with the screwdriver which is getting old. The The thing I see in this and, and this is just me. Like, there was a spot in this match where Kinosuke hit Chris Jericho with an avalanche blue thunder bomb and you could see the whiplash when Jericho landed. And I'm just like, dude, I, I, I can't. But... <clears throat> the match was good, like it was fine. And speaking of Jericho, uh, Dave Meltzer noted that Jericho is the highest-paid wrestler in AEW, and he put over to Takeshita. Like, I- I'm, but I'm looking at this. Is how do you follow it up after that? And that's the thing people don't understand. It's always the follow-through. It's always the follow-through on what happens next. What do you do after he beats um, Chris Jericho? He should be going after the world title for all I know. Like, but they haven't gone through with it. And judging by what they did, but the finish with Don Cal is getting involved, it feels like this feud is not even going to end. And if he, and if Canelsky beats Jericho again, what do you do now? What do you do now? That's all I want to know. What do you do now? And I hope they resolve this. Because Konosuke is so damn talented. He shouldn't even... He should be challenging for championships. Like, that's all. And I'm not not saying this because... Oh, I'm bitter towards AEW. I just want them to follow through it's not always the matches that's gonna sell you it's how you follow through after said match what's gonna happen after this match is over what's gonna happen with Kanosuke Takeshita after this booking like we just need some answers like that's just how I see it man and I hope you guys understand where I'm coming from that's just my honest take that's just my honest opinion but in the main event we had a we had a text we had a tornado tag team match for the AEW tag team titles we had Ricky Starks and Big Bill defending their titles against Sting and Darby Allin and this was a great main event this was a really great main event Sting doing Sting things Darby doing Darby things. But I want to talk about Big Bill for a second. Because there was one part of the match where Big Bill caught Darby Allen's suicide dive and turned it into one of the best fucking Big Boss Man sidewalk slam that I have ever seen in my entire fucking life. That was excellent. Like, I I just love that counter. It it just looks so fluid in motion. It looks so fluid in motion. But at the end, it was Sting and Darby Allin who won the tag titles. And I believe it's been like, what, 20-plus years since Sting has held championship gold? And it, it, it felt right. And you had, you had Sting's sons celebrating with uh him and Darby Allin when all of a sudden, the Young Bucks appear, attacking the new champions, and... I love that they are getting the heel heat that is rightfully deserved because them being baby faces was not good. Them being heels like douchebag dicks. I love it. And they busted the shit out of a, uh, out of Darby Allen. He was like pouring blood like a storm. And they hit the EVP trigger. It's no longer the BTE trigger, is the EVP trigger. <coughs> On uh, on Darby Allen, and you could see the bloodstains on I believe Matthew or Nicholas's uh, vest on their uh, white shirts. That just added to it, and I loved every second of it. That is how you present the Young Bucks as a heel, and what they did, they pretty much told you what the match you're going to see at Revolution, the Young Bucks. Taking on Sting and Darby Allin for the AEW Tag Team Titles. And that would be Sting's last hurrah. And that's it. That's it. And whether he puts over the Young Bucks, or whether he wins the titles, and, no, he retains it, and they vacate it, and they do a tournament because Tony Khan loves tournaments then I could definitely see that being uh, the case. But other than that, I thought this was an excellent episode of Dynamite. One of their best episodes to date. And uh, I I loved it. I thought this was really good. This was really, really good. And now let's get to the TNA side of things. And this one really shocked me. And it really pissed me off. Now, (coughs) Scott Damore... Who has been the heart and soul of TNA Wrestling. Like, this man literally saved TNA from dying. He saved this company from dying. And he gets fired by Anthem. So, here's this statement by um, Anthem. Anthony Sicion, named president of TNA Wrestling... Anthem Sports and Entertainment, Inc., a global multi-platform media company, announced today the appointment of Anthony Cicione as the president of TNA Wrestling. The move aims to further integrate TNA Wrestling into an Anthem's entertainment group of which Cicione is the president of leveraging the entire company resources to add more value in areas including productions, distributions, marketing, viewerships, custom customer acquisition digital revenue streams ad sales and sponsorship digital tech operations and more sision replaces scott demore who con- whose contract with anthem has been terminated yet they did not give us a reason why he was fired demore has been a part of tna since 2003 he held many key leadership uh, positions and played a vital role in the growth of the company Leading to a strong industry reputation today, including the successful return of TNA Wrestling brand in 2024. Anthem thanks him for his commitment he brought to the business, the talent, and the people who worked outside the ring. In addition to the duties of President of Entertainment, Cicillon will now manage the day-to-day business operation for TNA Wrestling. He brings more than 30 years executive level management experience to the organization. Sision has been with Anthem f- for the last 16 years, managing technical operation, multiple cables, and digital c- channels. Prior to his time in Anthem, Sision was a producer of sports content, including catapulting the score to success by bringing WWE to the channel. I was left confused on why they released Scott Demore. Now, and I got more and from PW inside of which is really something that that shocks me, but you could tell that TNA wrestlers were not happy about um about Scott Demore's firing. Now, Here's what they said in the call. This afternoon, a meeting was held between management and talent to inform them of the news as well as introduce the new president who will be handling the day-to-day operations. Anthem head Lynn Asper was on the call as well. It was said that many stars that management said DeMora had stepped down from the company, which was complete bullshit. That's complete bullshit. The company even stated that Wasn't the case in his statement to the media. Now PW Insider reports that they were told. By several several that this did not sit well with some of the talent. No shit. Because the man was the heart and soul of TNA. He made people feel like stars. Like he fucking sent Jordan Grace to WWE to represent them. With the knockouts title around her waist. Like, Mickey James was part of the Women's Royal Rumble last year. Like, people had a strong connection with Scott DeMore because they like working with this guy. Now, a story making around about how Anthem wanted TNA to be more in line with the parent company going forward, as they felt the brand had been too DeMore centric with Scott as the face of the company. It's like they're going. <coughs> Two steps back. They couldn't even... in this fucked up thing. The talent could not even ask questions. Which didn't endear some talents to the changes. And some wrestlers were very angry about the news. The meeting did not allow talent to ask any questions. Which they confirmed did not endear some talent. But they were informed about Scott DeMora's apart departure. Before Anthem's executives joined them. They were very angry with some talents. One TNA personality said Anthem had a lot of work to do moving forward. Like, this, it's like they went two steps back, releasing Scott Damore. But it gets even better. Now, Scott Damore wanted to um, make some changes with TNA. He wanted to actually purchase TNA Wrestling. And a PW Insider reports that Anthem is fully prepared to keep moving forward with the promotion and is willing to spend money on the right talent as they prepare to make big offers like they did to Will Ospreay. Now, as far as the release goes, the decision to release him is not clear. The belief seems to settle on the idea that Len Asper came to a crossroads when they disagreed on how TNA should be operated and only one person was going to win that battle, but the butting of the heads, which was Asper. Now, the word going around is that some point in recent weeks, he went to Anthem with an offer to buy TNA outright with the backing of the major banking institution. However, it was rebuffed as some of the Anthem side that it was seen as a legitimate offer that was worthy of cons- consideration but the decision was made not to attempt. Demore seemingly knew the clock on his job was ticking if he was willing to buy the asset and walk away with it. He was aware the change was coming at least a week to 10 days ago. The belief is that Demore's creative team was suppo- team and supposed staff remain in place while Gail Kim and Tommy Dreamer ran the initial Zoom meeting to inform the talent of DeMore's exit. The company was working on their game plan for April and beyond. This week ahead of their next set of events. And no surrender is going to be in New Orleans. I'm actually going to be there. And it, it just doesn't feel right, you know. Scott DeMore was the guy that just cared. He really cared about the sport. And the fact that they released him because... oh. Like, he wanted to up the production. He wanted to up the product. And they didn't want that? That's their loss. That's Anthem going two steps back. They're going two steps back. And the thing I fear the most when it comes to this story is that we might see, like, the worst time for TNA um, back when Dixie Carter and Billy Corgan were fighting over who has the power. <clears throat> and it made the show completely unwatchable and hopefully like this new guy this Anthony Cicillon I want to give him the benefit of the doubt but why would you release Scott D'Amore that's going to lead a trickling effect of people in TNA and they might think of leaving TNA to go somewhere else you don't want that you don't want that you already pissed off half of your talent You've already pissed them off with them releasing Scott D'Amore. That's a big mistake. And the fact that I had to find this out from my own brother while I was streaming. He called me and he said, dude, check your social media. And I see Scott D'Amore released from TNA. And I'm just thinking to myself, what the fuck? That's the only thing I'm saying. Like, what the fuck is this? Like, and I guess Scott D'Amore wants to purchase TNA because... He made that company what it is today. Without Scott D'Amore, where do you go from here? Even Moose said that it was Scott D'Amore who made me stay in TNA instead of going to WWE or AEW. It writes itself. And I guarantee there's going to be a lot of unhappiness in that company. And that morale is going to sink because of this. And I think Anthem... Like I said, Anthem made a big mistake letting Scott Demore go. Because I guarantee we could have a working relationship with TNA and WWE at some point. I'm I'm just saying. But it's stuff like this. That just makes me just question the business aspect of pro wrestling. It's a monopoly, man. (coughs) It's a monopoly. Now, speaking of founders... Speaking of people who found uh promotions, there's a big shakeup that's happening in stardom. Bushi Road and Stardom announced that effective on February 4th, which was which is already passed, they have canceled the contract of founder Rossi Ogawa. In an announcement, it is it is stated that Ogawa poached many Stardom wrestlers and staff. So this is what it says. Notice regarding termination of contract with Rossi Agawa. Regarding the termination of contract with uh, Rossi Agawa. To whom it may concern, and to our fans, thank you very much for your continued support of stardom. We would like to inform you that Road Fight Inc. is pleased to announce that it has entered into a business uh, consignment agreement with Mr. Rossi Agawa. We are pleased to inform you that we have terminated the business consignment agreement with Rossi Ogawa as of February 4th, 2024. Since 2019, the company has entered into the agreement with Rossi Ogawa, the founder of Stardom, and has invited him to serve as executive producer and has entrusted him with Stardom's related tasks. However, we have recently become aware that Mr. Rossi Ogawa has been poaching a number of stardom athletes and staff members and we decided to terminate this agreement. We sincerely apologize for any concern this may have caused and we, the players and staff of stardom, will continue to make uh, concerted efforts to further develop stardom and deliver excitement to our fans. We look forward to your continued support. Now, Ogawa, for those of you who don't know, he created Stardom back in September of 2010, which Bushiro purchased the company in October of 2019, and Ogawa became an executive producer. Now, in an update, per Dave Meltzer, he reported that many Stardom wrestlers are loyal, are loyal to Ogawa, so his exit may lead to several departures When many contracts are up in March. Meltzer noted that Bushiroad had known about talent leaving. And some were handed legal threats recently. Now the report stated that the talent who are leaving would not be departing the company until their contract expires. This is one of the reasons why Julia is not wrestling at New Japan's Windy City Riot and has said she was taking some time off until April. Now, per Meltzer, Taro Okada, and Oyama, the Road Fight Merchandise Manager will immediately take over as the bookers for stardom. They do not have any previous experience as bookers. Oh, no, 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 no! Oh, no! Let's see, Okada... However, in college, Okada was part of a pro wrestling club that held matches. Meltzer also wrote that the only stardom wrestler with the longer term is Mayu Iwatani, because she's currently the IWGP Women's Championship, which makes sense. She is the IWGP Women's Champion. (coughs) And she has a movie coming out. Now, Sean Ross Sapp of Fightful learned of Ogawa's impending departure Wednesday night. There were rumors across New Japan and AEW that Rossi could be WWE bound or angling for a job or partnering with WWE. Additionally, several sports agents over the last few months have found it interesting that Julia didn't seem interested in having a rep. And we'll talk about Julia later, which... Ogawa, speaking of Rossi Ogawa, he confirmed in Tokyo Sports that he is intending on starting another promotion following his firing on Sunday. Saying that he wanted to do things that he couldn't do in stardom. So, (sighs) I don't know what the promotion is going to be, but I guarantee you're going to see a lot of women From stardom, you're going to see a lot of joshis leaving stardom to join Rossi Ogawa's new promotion. Now, Mike Makai, who is the current World of Stardom champion, publicly expressed her negative feelings towards Rossi Ogawa's controversial exit from the company. Now, she recently spoke with Tokyo Sports to share her thoughts on the recent happening surrounding founder and former executive producer of stardom, Rossi Ogawa. She was also the first stardom talent to speak with Tokyo sport on the issue. Other members of the roster, however, shared their personal thoughts on the matter on their respective Twitter accounts. According to Makai, she was the only, she was only informed of Rossi Ogawa's contract situation after the February 4th Supreme Fight Show. She was not aware of the news when it when she called for Rossi and the rest of the stardom roster for the post-show group photo. She said, I could have ended the show alone, but it was the 13th anniversary of the organization that Ogawa-san founded. So it was a smart move on my part. At that time, I didn't even know that Ogawa-san would quit, she said. She then expressed her frustration as she feels that the recent controversies overshadowed her work as the World of Stardom champion. A technical difficulty with Stardom live streaming service made Makai's championship victory match unavailable during the bout. Hence, she wanted to make up for it by putting up a hard fart first defense. But Mr. Ogawa took over the topic. Don't be silly. We athletes are fighting hard, and yet we're being treated like this. I'm angry at Mr. Ogawa and the company, she says. Now, Makai adds, however, that she feels regret over how things ended between Rossi and the promotion, stating that she wanted to send him off on a friendlier terms. Nonetheless, she ends her interview by promising to protect what needs to be protected as she is the face of the promotion. And I, I understand her frustration as well. and i I get it i absolutely get it man because all that hard work all of that shit was to be overshadowed by what and what makes it interesting was the writing was on the wall for why Kyrie sane returned to wwe and Dave Meltzer noted in The Observer that she decided not to sign a new deal with Stardom that was influenced by her loyalty to Rossi Ogawa. Ogawa was recently, like I said, he was terminated by uh, Road, And Kyrie Sane had returned to WWE a few months ago, choosing not to sign with Stardom. Kyrie's close relationship with Ogawa, coupled with the departure from Stardom, played a significant role in her decision. Similarly, Julia, who chose not to sign a new deal with Stardom, and I might as well talk about this, um, she's deciding to help Ogawa start the new promotion. And Julia, she's literally delaying her WWE um, start to help Ogawa. So, this is what Melsa said. So, when Rossi was going to start... You know Julia was very loyal to him, and she was on board. The reason that she is delaying her WWE start is so she could at least be there to kick off the promotion for a while and get the promotion going, and then you know she is going to end up with WWE at some point. But when WWE was interested in her, she basically gave her word he he would she would help when he started out and that's that's what she's going to do she's actually postponing her wwe debut because she's given her word and it's admirable which i give julia credit for that that you say you're going to help someone and then you're going to get then you get a great offer to leave for a lot more money and you say well i'll delay my departure and good on julia Good on Julia. And that's crazy. This whole month has been crazy. Scott DeMore gets fi- fired. Um, Vince, we all know he was going to no longer be in WWE after the allegations came out back in January. And Rossi Ogawa gets fired by Road. It's like, all the founders are getting... All like, the heads are getting fired. <coughs> so I don't know what's going to happen, but... With this new promotion, I hope it goes well. Now, we know Tom Nakano, she is staying with stardom. Mayu is staying. We don't know who else is going to be staying. They're going to have to build some new stars from the ground up. And and I want to talk about Tony Khan. I want to talk about Tony Khan for a bit because this man, and I, I love Tony Khan. He is a passionate wrestling fan, just like you and me. Just like you and me. We are all passionate pro wrestling fans. And I speak for everybody. Well, I don't speak for everybody, but I I, I just don't get why you're celebrating somebody being fired. And somebody actually brought up a really good point about Tony Khan's tweets. And I I honestly do not like when you do stuff like this because it just makes it, like, I don't know, man. Like, and I'm trying to find the right words to describe it. Like, Tony Khan should not be celebrating somebody being fired. <coughs> like, I don't know if he's the reason why he's the reason why um, they couldn't get stardom talent for forbidden door. I don't know if that's the reason if Tony Khan could come out and say why then maybe I will have a reason. But right now I literally said that this was not this was not the right time to be doing stuff something like this like it's not it is not celebrate celebrate somebody being fired. I have an issue with that. But we'll see where this goes. And I don't know where this is going to go. Because right now, it's just embarrassing. That's the only thing I could say about it. It's embarrassing. We just need, I just want an explanation. Why are you celebrating? That's all. That's all. But with this new promotion, I hope Rossi picks it up from the ground up. And you might, you're might you definitely going to see a lot of stardom talent migrate into Rossi Ogawa because they are loyal to this, to this man. Like, Kairi is loyal to Rossi Ogawa. She made a career in stardom because of him. Io is loyal to Rossi Ogawa because she was one of the best in the world because of Rossi Ogawa. You don't think... Like, you don't think that... um. There's going to be talent that's going to side with Rossi Ogawa. Because he made them into stars. There's going to be a lot of people leaving to join Rossi. I'm telling you. And where does stardom go from here? I don't know. We're just going to have to wait and see. Hey, you. Yes, I'm talking to you. Do you like video games? Do you like watching me play video games? Are you into gaming? Well, what better way... To see me in action playing... Different types of games like Fall Guys, uh, Splatoon 2, Chroma Squad, and many others. What better way to find me on Twitch? Twitch is my favorite place to stream. And, uh... All I can say is you can you're gonna see greatness in me in gaming. Because I like to entertain my followers and just chat with them, see how their lives are how their lives have gone. And you get to watch everything that I do for fun. I got it's been four years since I got back into streaming, you know? Like I was the last game I streamed was uh, Overwatch. But if you or your friends like video games as much as I do, and you want to see me play it on Twitch, which I stream every Saturday, make sure you follow me on Twitch at Shino Phoenix, Just Shino Phoenix, And you get to see how fun it is to be a Twitch streamer. If you want to be a Twitch streamer yourself, make sure you make an account. And you get to do great things as well. So again, make sure you follow me twitch.tv slash Phoenix. Once again, follow me, Shino Phoenix. And now back to our daily show. Oh my, my, my. This just keeps getting even worse for Vince McMahon. And the more I talk about it, the more I want to pull my fucking hair off of my head. My goodness, man. But things continue to look worse for Vince McMahon after he resigned from all of his roles within TKO, including TKO executive chairman and on the TKO board of directors, after a lawsuit that alleged him to be involved in a sex trafficking and abuse scandal from a former WWE employee. Um <clears throat> Janel Grant by WWE employee Janel Grant. John Laurinaitis and WWE are also listed in the suit. As previously reported, the NDAs that were signed by several women with McMahon were created and signed without the knowledge of WWE. As McMahon signed them on the company's behalf, talk about scum shit. Literally, talk about scum shit. The aforementioned NDA may likely be un- unenforceable because they were just like Grant's situation. As McMahon paid one million of the three millions, agreed likely t- to likely make any deal null and void. While well, speaking to News Nation, Ann Callis, Grant's attorney, noted McMahon stepping away from WWE is not enough. It is not enough. When asked what justice looks like in Grant's mind, her her attorney responded, "She wants justice because she was um, she wants to change the culture that is going in on in the WWE. She wants to help other victims. She thinks by speaking out and coming forward for her." That others will feel embold- emboldened uh, and encouraged to come forth. Grant's attorney previously claimed uh, coming forward due to the allegations and civil lawsuits brought against the parties involved. McMahon has denied every allegations. Oh, but remember when I talked about Ashley Massaro? We're gonna talk about that in a second because this is fucked up beyond belief. <coughs> Now, Vince McMahon was advised by Ari Emanuel and Mark Shapiro to resign for the best of TKO. This is according to the Hollywood Reporter. They reported that TKO CEO Ari Emanuel and President Mark Shapiro called McMahon to tell him that it would be in the company's best interest for him to resign in the wake of the allegations. Now, when he... While he agreed to do so, he denied the allegations against him. McMahon remains under federal investigation in addition to the suit. And look, good on Ari Emanuel Mark Shapiro to let Vince know, hey, we can't have you here because the more you're here, the more bad publicity is going to get on us. And we don't want that. We don't want that. So it was the right thing to do, just... It's time to get out. Now, Ashley Masaro, the Vice News, actually had a story on the allegations made by, <coughs> by Ashley Masaro several years ago. Now, Massaro, who died in 2019 by suicide, claimed in illegal documents that she was raped on a military base in Kuwait. Per the Vice story, John Laurinaitis' attorney objected to the cover-up phrasing but said that Laurinaitis and most upper-level management knew about the allegations which contradicts WWE's claim that they didn't know because they weren't made aware. Oh my God. Oh my God. The sworn affidavit... um, the sworn that was released in 2019 states that someone who claimed to be a US Army doctor injected her with a drug during the 2006 tour after she was raped Massaro said that executives including McMahon and Laurinaitis told her not not to talk about what happened because it would endanger WWE's relationship with the military ugh just reading this is starting to piss me off. It's starting to piss me off. Um, he told me not to let one bad experience ruin a good work they were doing. Massaro said about McMahon in the legal documents. Vice News reports that in June of 2019, an investigation was opened by the Naval Criminal Invest Intelligence Service, and it was closed in January 2020. The Vice story also noted that Paul London has said in an interview that Massaro was pressured. To Ride on the McMahon's private plane, and this, it just gets so so worse. Because this next story, before her passing, Ashley Massaro said that she saw Vince McMahon making out with female wrestlers and would call her non stop, eh, would call her hotel room non stop. <coughs> So, the previously unreleased statements left out and uh, if I pronounce this wrong, I'm sorry, affidavit that was published after her death, in which she was accused, she accused McMahon and top executives of a cover-up after she was raped on a military base in Kuwait in 2006. So, WWE previously denied it, but they knew Massaro being raped but an attorney from John Laurinaitis confirmed... And this is the attorney for Mr. Laurinaitis! The people power! Ah! The, the attorney knew. he conf- The attorney confirmed that John Laurinaitis and Vince McMahon knew. So what was that about playing the victim... Like, what was that about playing a victim? So, you knew this entire time. And you did nothing. Also, in a previously unreleased statement, Masaro said that she saw McMahon making out with female wrestlers in the locker room. <coughs> and that she was sexually harassed. Masaro said that the demeaning scripts were meant to destroy her reputation. And this, previously happened to another female wrestler before she left WWE. The name of the wrestler was not mentioned in the Vice story out of respect for her privacy. Now, here's, this is what the previously unreleased statement of Massaro reads. During my time with WWE, I I had observed Vince McMahon making out with other divas in the locker room, but he never paid attention to me and I assumed I was not his type. This changed after my Playboy cover was released. I was fortunate enough to be allowed to fly on a company jet and stay at the same hotels as the executives for um, a period of time so that I could get home faster to spend more time with my daughter. On one of those occasions, Vince was attempting to get me alone with him in his hotel room late at night, and I felt extraordinarily uncomfortable. He began calling the... um hotel room phone, and cell phone non-stop. I called Kevin Dunn to explain the situation, and he said I should tell Vince I was not f- feeling well, and I would see him on TV the next day. So I did. Immediately after that night, Vince started writing my promos for me. Vince does not write promos for female wrestlers. That is a job of a creative department, and he certainly wouldn't have, under any normal circumstances... Written a promo for me, but he did, and the promos were written with the clear intentions of ruining my career. I bought the first grip Vince wrote for me to, du- to the WWE employee in charge of creative at the time, Michael Hayes, and he said, "You're not saying this. Who the who the explicit? explicit uh, wrote this?" And I told him that Vince did. He said, "Well, kid." These are the breaks, meaning that Vince wanted to end my career and destroy my reputation on the way out. First, let's pause for a second. Let's pause for a second. Michael Hayes, I get it that you're working for Vince at that time, but maybe common sense would have told you to just do the right thing? Do the right thing and change the fucking script? But no, you did not. You should be held accountable as well. Uh, he is known for the type of behavior and also did this to to uh redictate it upon her departure from WWE in addition after that night each time I walked by him he would make vulgar sexual comments that were clearly designed to make me uncomfortable fuck Vince McMahon the more I talk about this man The fact that they knew and they just said, oh, we didn't know about it. Yes, you did. Fucking lying pieces of shits. I I don't get it. Like, you just... I I don't understand. (coughs) Just, y'all knew about this. Like, seriously, Vince needs to rot in jail. He needs to rot in jail. No amount of money is going to save... His sorry ass. And I really mean that wholeheartedly. No amount of money is gonna save this man. Like he could throw all the money in the world. It's not gonna do a damn thing. It's not. Whether you want to admit it or not, it's not gonna do a damn thing to save your yourself from this humiliation. And it's crazy the fact that they the fact that they really went through with this. The fact that they knew about it. that That's the thing that really gets me. They should have done something. And if they would have done something. Ashley Massaro would still be alive today. And everybody who is a part of this. Has to be held accountable for their actions. And I know people are saying Triple H. But here's the thing. And here's a little reality people need to understand. Triple H... I don't think Triple H was in the know about this. I don't think Triple H was aware of the shit that happened. Because he was trying to run NXT. And not only that, he was also probably dealing with his own issues. His own health issues. So he probably didn't know. The man almost died. Literally, the man almost died. And for those who are saying that Triple H needs to be held accountable, like Triple H probably didn't know about this. Triple H didn't know. If Triple H knew, then yeah, I would say that he should be held accountable. But I don't think Triple H knew what happened. <clears throat> but, and somebody asked Seth Rollins on about the allegations. This was on the Maggie and Perloff show. And he was asked about the allegation and he said, It's awful. It's terrible. I hate it. It's a disgusting situation like and I and I will say that he that Vince needs to be held accountable like I will stand by that like he needs to be locked up well all of, like it's amazing that Kevin Dunn decides to leave all of a sudden he knew he probably knew as well and he's po- possibly a part of that as well it's just embarrassing man like it's really. Hard for me to wrap my head around the fact that this man who ran this promotion for decades got away with shit like this. And it's it's just hard. It's really hard when you are a fan of this sport. Like everybody needs to be held accountable. And once all that's out the window, you're literally gonna look at a new WWE. <coughs> And everything Triple H said in that WrestleMania kickoff, we're, bu- we're about to enter a new era. And he ain't lying about that, which we'll talk about when- later on. Now, let's talk Jay Cargill, because the more I talk about Vince, the more I get heated. I don't, I don't like talking about this clown. I don't want to hear the name Vince McMahon. He should not be mentioned, period, end of story. Now... Let's talk Jay Cargill. Let's get to the positives. Let's talk about Jay Cargill. Now, she made her WWE debut at the Royal Rumble, which I thought they did a great job presenting her in that Women's Royal Rumble. They did a fantastic job. And they're wondering whether to keep her on the main roster or send her to NXT. Now, is she judging by what I saw before I even went live apparently it looks like she's going to be on Smackdown I feel like that's the destination that they're going to be um that they're going to be landing for her and fans have been wondering which brand she'll be on PW Insider reports that Cargill has not officially been assigned to the main roster brand and it should be noted the original plan months ago was for Raw, but that could always change. But I feel like she's going to SmackDown. I think that is the best destination for her. SmackDown would make the most sense and uh, it's it's the right move to make. I think she would fit ro- perfectly right there. And don't worry, I'm going to talk about Jay Cargill when we mention Bianca Belair for the uh, WrestleMania kickoff or their their press conference, because this was before, like, the Super Bowl. Which, honestly, I don't care about the Super Bowl. Since it's a fucking rematch between the Chiefs and the 49ers, I honestly don't care about it. Now, speaking of plans, let's talk of Andrade. Andrade is officially back in WWE, and he is a part of Monday Night Raw. But what are the current plans for El Idolo? Well, Mike Johnson reports that the current plan is for Andrade to be a babyface on Raw. And now, now, we don't know who he's feuding with. I think the only person that would make sense, in my honest opinion, to feud with um, Andrade, it would be Bronson Reed, I guess. And I think the match would be great. I think him and Bronson would be, have an excellent feud. If you want, you can have him feud with Gunther. I mean, but there's so many opponents he could face (coughs) and feud with. And hopefully they do well with Andrade. Because I want to see the man succeed. I really do. Like, this is his his second chance, man. And I trust Triple H and his team to do right with uh, Andrade. And we'll see what that destination is. Now, I want to talk Ava for a bit. Now, Ava has deleted her Twitter account. And I I have been saying this since day one. You're not a true wrestling fan if you wish death on somebody who has nothing to do with it. And now, after what happened at the WrestleMania kickoff event, I think all you wrestling, these so-called wrestling fans who was sending these death threats to Ava for no fucking reason, y'all y'all owe her an apology. Y'all owe her an apology. Because she had nothing, and I said nothing, to do with The Rock. Just because she's her daughter, just because she's related to The Rock, doesn't mean, oh, let's take it out on Ava because this is her fault. Bitch, please. Please. I wish fans would be better. Like, I honestly wish fans would be better. Now, hopefully, after what happened, which we will discuss, this resolves the issue once and for all. Now, I'm going to be happy to hear this, because this is going to play a part for, for WrestleMania. Now, we have an update on Dakota Kai, and this is good news. This is good news. Now, for those of you who don't know, Kai has been out with a torn ACL since May of last year. And she hasn't wrestled since. Now, <clears throat> she has been seen on television for the last few months, but not wrestling as a faction continues to grow. The group recently turned on Bailey last week's on last week's episode of SmackDown after Bailey found out that they've been talking badly about her in Japanese. Ironically, Kai was not part of the segment. Leading to speculation she may have been the one to have told Bailey what they were saying. Kai posted this teaser on Instagram noting that she was getting closer to making an in ring return, which they showed her doing a photo shoot for WrestleMania forty. And again, Dakota Kai can play a part in what happens with um Bailey and EO at WrestleMania. Some people say, oh, she should turn heel, which honestly it would make sense, but I could also see um <coughs> I can also see um uh, Dakota joining Eo, Asuka, and Kyrie. And you have Bailey, you build more sympathy with Bailey, which I do not mind. And I think that's a really really good idea if you ask me. I think that's a really really good idea if you pull that that move, but either way works. And put some respect on Bailey and EO, man. Put some respect on Bailey because she deserves to have the spotlight on her. After all the shit that she has done for um this company. And everybody respects her for that. But I'm looking forward to Dakota Kai's return. She's definitely going to play a part um, for WrestleMania. And I'm looking forward to see what they got in mind. Now, one NXT name has departed from this company. And that person is Amari Miller. Amari Miller signed with WWE in 2021 where she has been used on 205 Live and NXT Level Up. She wrestled in a 20 Women's Battle Royal on January 20th, 2023 uh, edition of NXT, where she suffered a torn ACL in February of 2023. (coughs) (coughs) She did return to in-ring action in December and worked two matches after that. She last wrestled on the January 9th episode of Level Up, where she put over Jada Parker. Now, this is what she said on her Instagram, which pretty much confirmed her departure. She said, So today, WWE and I have parted ways. Neither one of us decided to to re-sign another contract, so my three years are up. I am beyond grateful of what they have given me and taught me, but my journey there has come to an end. When the door closes... One door opens. Will I keep wrestling? Who knows? Will I keep? Will I lace up my boots again in the future? Possibly. I got to experience a lifestyle that most people dream of. And I will never take it back. On to the next chapter of my life. Thank you coaches, WWE, and the fans who actually supported me. And not the fans who were bullshitters wishing me bad during my career. LOL. And... That's it for Ari Emanuel, uh, Ari Miller. Now she's going back to Cameron Brené. And yes, I know the name because I watched Evolve at the time, so don't ask me how I know. Now, I don't know what's what's on the mind of, uh, Cameron, Cameron Brené. She could go back? Because like I said, anything's possible. She could, op- she could open that door anytime she wants. But, um... What's next is next. I I will support her one hundred percent, and uh, we'll see where she lands in the in the upcoming uh in, for her future in pro wrestling, man. All right, let's talk about Monday Night Raw <coughs> that took place at the Enterprise Center in St. Louis, Missouri, and honestly, I, I gotta be real for one second about this show. It's this show is, was pretty meh that's the best way i could describe it it was pretty meh really something i was just not uh into that often but but there were some good matches but the others was just eh now we kicked off the show with Seth Rollins he welcomes fans to Monday Night Rollins and he introduces himself and says, it's been quite a week in WWE. He said after this past Friday on SmackDown, like the fans, he wants Cody Rhodes. So he calls him to the ring, and Cody comes out, and he acts. so, uh, St. Louis, Missouri, and Seth Rollins, what do you want to talk about? What do you want to talk about? And Rollins says, I stand by his word last week and saying that the World Heavyweight Championship is the most prestigious in the industry. Yeah, try saying that to Roman who literally buried that title. Like he literally buried the title. He says he needs their WrestleMania match as much as Rhodes does and says he needs to know that he's the best. He says the only way to do that is if you test yourself against the best. And ask him if you choo- who's he's choosing to face at WrestleMania. If you're gonna face me at WrestleMania 40, Drew McIntyre's music hits, and he makes his way down. He says, "I think I speak on behalf of everyone and saying that what the saying what the hell." He says he led them both up perfectly for WrestleMania, but they're about to screw it up. He tells Rollins that he hated CM Punk as much as I did and he had a t-shirt it it was literally that meme grave of um like the guy posing in the in the tombstone but it has Drew face and it has CM Punk on the uh on the tombstone and that that was pretty funny I'm not going to lie that was pretty uh funny by Drew Now Now he tells Rhodes that um he has to finish the story. Um he says, You've been talking about it for two years now, which is true. He says Rhodes has earned the moment and tells him not to let everyone down. He tells him, Don't let your father down. And Rollins asks McIntyre, who died and what makes what makes him think. That he'll be facing him for the World Heavyweight Championship at WrestleMania. Should Rose choose him? And, uh... Should Rose choose him? And Rollins mentioned that... No, he reminds him that you lost to Cody and McIntyre. And everyone knows that Roman Reigns' reigns matches... For the Universal Championship are in in the same predictable help in the family. He says, Rollins has done an amazing job taking the title as far as he has. And he hits a Glasgow kiss on Rollins. And Rhodes, he fights off McIntyre, which I thought this, this segment was okay. I thought it was okay for what it was. And it did what it had to do. And it got people... Guessing, is he going to face Cody? No, is Cody going to face Seth at WrestleMania? Really, we all know what the end goal was after what happened on Thursday. But um, we had a fatal four-way tag team match to determine who will face Pete Dunne and Tyler Bate for the uh, chance to face the tag team champions at Elimination Chamber. In Perth, Australia. Now, the match I thought was really good. I thought this was a really good tag team match. And um, the right team won. DIY got the win. And I love how they're building up DIY. But um, I think we're seeing DIY going after the titles. Heading into into WrestleMania. And I think they're going to win the tag titles. Because... I I think Triple H wants to have it on the biggest stage possible. I think that is the direction that they're going to be going with. So, but DIY got the win, and I, I love this. I thought this was a really good opening match. We had Becky Lynch versus Shayna Baszler in an elimination qualifying match, and I thought this was pretty good, too. I thought this was pretty good as well. Um... I enjoyed it for what it was. And Becky Lynch, she gets the win with the uh, manhandle slam. And like I said, I thought this was really good. And and, um, Becky competes in her first Elimination Chamber match. So I'm definitely liking this. We had Rhea Ripley coming out. And... She says, while Lynch may have qualified for the Women's Elimination Chamber match, I'm here for Nia Jax. And she pretty much calls her out. And Adam Pearce marches down and he says, oh, you won't be doing that right now. And he informs her that I've given you Nia Jax for the Women's World Championship at Elimination Chamber. And he tells her to leave the ring. Which brings out Nia Jax... And the two started brawling. And you got security trying to break things off. And already, I think we're slowly but surely getting babyface Rhea Ripley at some point. It's going to happen. But the crowd loves Rhea Ripley. I love Rhea Ripley. I think this is going to be the greatest thing for her. In my honest opinion. But she's gonna get a big hero's welcome when she gets to Perth. Definitely looking forward to that. We have Valhalla and Ivar taking on Maxine Dupree and Akira Tazawa. Um, this match was look, I'm I'm gonna be real with Maxine Dupree for a second. She is improving. Like she added that handspring back elbow to her new repertoire, but when I watch it again, it's like she's literally like far back and then she just jumps and does the back elbow. You can tell she's still green. You can tell that she's still green, but she's going to get there eventually. Eventually, she's going to get there. Just taking some time. But Valhalla and Ivar, they got the win over the representation of Alpha Academy. Oh, Thank you. We had The Miz taking on J.D. McDonough. And tell me if you've heard this before. Tell me if you heard this before. Who is the punching bag of the Judgment Day? If you guess J.D. McDonough, you are absolutely correct. But this match did what it had to do. You had R-Truth getting involved, which R-Truth is hilarious in his own right. Like, he really is. He handed the... The money to JD McDonough, which distracted him. And The Miz hit the skull crushing finale for the win. And after that, Truth collects the money scattered around the ring as Dominic yells at him for messing things up. So, I don't know where this is going to go. Is he still a part of... uh, Is he still a part of Judgment? No, no, no. Is he a part with Miz... Or, I don't know what they're going with this, but look, R-Truth is good at what he does. He's good at what he does, and it's entertaining to watch. R-Truth knows how to make everybody laugh. But, um, I thought this was another fair match. We go to Adam Pierce's office, where Ludwig Kaiser and Giovanni Vinci are making sure that everything is ready for Gunther's international Intercontinental Championship celebration. Pierce tells them to the leave, seeing that he has a meeting, and this brings in Braun Breaker. Bron Breaker walks in, and a pair discuss a potential RAW contract for him to sign following his meeting with Nick Aldis last Friday. And what I love about having dueling GMs is Having them bid over who they want to sign. I like it. And that's going to play a part when Braun is officially done with NXT. And he's ready for the main roster. I honestly think he's ready. He is literally ready for that spot. We go to Imperium. We see Kaiser coming in on the mic demanding... ...fans to give their gratitude to Gunther, And he introduces him... ...he makes his way to the ring... ...and he says that... ...celebrating over 600 days... ...as the intercontinental champion... ...to the surprise of... ...absolutely no one! He's, he thanks Kaiser for setting up his celebration... ...and he tells him... ...he doesn't want him to go through the troubles... ...as it is given that he will always be the greatest... And longest title holder in history. He says, I'm running out of competition. And no one is worthy of challenging me. Which brings out Yeet Jay Uso. He makes his way to the ring. And Jay tells fans he's in their city, Yeet. And Gunther says he's under he understands his simple gestures for a simple audience. And he says, the last time they saw each other, the last time. They saw each other. I eliminated you from the Royal Rumble. He says he sensed disrespect and in Jay, and Jay says he sees the work Gunther puts in. He acknowledges Gunther being the longest reigning intercontinental champion. And Gunther says I appreciate it. He says Jay holds the record for being the longest-reigning tag team champion of all time. And he had to put in 50% of the work. He says he's confused because he achieved becoming the longest-reigning title holder on his own. Jay rattles off all his accomplishments. He tells the fans to yeet if you want to see a new champion. If you want to see a new champion. And the fans yeet. Gunther says Jay is finally achieving something for himself. And says he isn't the first one. The first or the last to ride on his coattails. He says I'll beat him worse than his own family ever did when he defeats him. And says he'll beat him so good. He'll beat him into the good old days when people couldn't tell him and Jimmy apart. Which I thought that was a really good line. Jay and Gunther they begin brawling. And you had Kaiser and Vinci overpowering him. But the New Day, they come out to even the odds, which leads to a six-man tag for next week's show. I like the celebration. I love that they are giving Jay the platform to be his own man. And look, I think him and uh, Gunther would have an excellent match. Now, Gunther cannot travel to uh, Australia because, you know, the visa thing and he won't be... Traveling until, like, August, so he's pretty much stuck in America, but, um, and when I say out, he can't travel, like, out of state, he's stuck there, but, um, I think this should be really good. We had Kyrie and Asuka, the Kabuki Warriors, defend their tag titles against Caden Carter and Katana Chance in a rematch for the women's tag team titles. And, I mean, it was okay. I thought this was okay for what it was. And, uh, the Kabuki Warriors, they retained, which made sense. Now, the question is, who's next? I mean, you got Alba Fire and Isla Dawn waiting right there. They deserve an opportunity. Uh, I'm just throwing that out there. Like, I know I'm not the only one who is making sense around here. Do you think that they deserve an opportunity? You bet your ass they do. You bet your ass they do. They deserve an opportunity. And I really mean that. That's just how I see it. In my honest opinion. But, um... I don't know what they do for, for the Kabuki Warriors at WrestleMania. But we're just going to see where where the booking lies. In the main event, we had a bull rope match between Cody and Shinsuke Nakamura. It's like two-step backwards, but this was just... This was a win for Cody, no shit. After the match, McIntyre blindsides him and fires off right hands and hits Cody with a Claymore kick and stands, keeps up standing tall as the show goes off the air. So, I thought the show was meh. It was pretty dull. There was some stuff that I just did not really care about. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, I thought, um... Like, I thought they did what they had to do. So, that's just my honest opinion about that. And now, let's switch gears. And let's talk NXT. Which I thought was a pretty good show. I thought NXT overall was pretty good. And, um... Can't wait to see what... I can't wait to see how they build towards, um... Towards Stand and Deliver. Which is only two months. So, we kick things off with Carmelo Hayes. He kicks off the show and he sets a chair up and sits on it as the booze are raining down from the crowd. He says, it's not, not yet. That it's not time to explain why I did what I did at Vengeance Day. Like, and the people in the Full sale were giving it to, uh, they were giving it to, uh, Carmelo Hayes. And he's already established himself as the best heel on NXT now if you just want me to go through with it this is what Carmelo Hayes had to say now this was later during the show Um, Carmelo Hayes who was in the ring he was sitting on the chair in the middle of the ring fans are chanting you're not him and Hayes says the villain is always the villain when the hero is telling the story he questions why no one wants to hear his side of things, then says, "Look, I'm not jealous of Trick Williams. I'm not jealous of his success. Uh yes, you are." Um, he says he wanted him to achieve the highest of highs, and makes his parents proud. And he had to be the one to take everything away from him to remind him that, remind him of his place, and show him what happens when you cross him. Hayes says Williams crossed him first. And says they had an agreement. He says they agreed Williams would go after the North American Championship. While he was after the NXT Championship. But Williams started believing the people and his hype. He says Williams went back. Went behind his back and went after something that belonged to him. And he knew what he had to do at that moment. He said he attacked Williams and would do it again. Now, Trick Williams' music played, and you know that he was studying Shawn Michaels. And Hayes is just laughing, making it clear that he orchestrated this whole thing. He said, Williams isn't coming back and says no one should be surprised. He reminds everyone that I'm a two-time NXT North American champion while Williams was a two-day North American champion. Then says nothing gets on NXT without being run by him. Hayes says Williams wanted to be like him so bad that he started copying his appearances, behavior, and he says it was never a collaboration between them as Williams was his hype man. He says that's all it is. And all it'll ever be. And I like the explanation. I like the explanation. I thought this was a really great explanation for... uh For... um uh, For Carmelo Hayes. I thought he did a tremendous job explaining why he did what he had to do. And I thought this was... Like I said, I thought this was really, really great. Now, just to rewind... Braun Breaker and Baron Corbin, they kick off the show. And and Breaker asks Alicia Taylor to introduce them properly. And she does as the Wolf Dogs. And... But says... that That won't ruin their celebration. He says... We dominated and no one in WWE can stop them. He asks... Breaker how his face is after falling into a top rope on Sunday. And Breaker says, stuff goes wrong when you're running a 23 mile and, miles an hour. He tells Corbin he wouldn't have made it over the top rope if, if it hadn't given it all, all to boost. Corbin and Breaker then call the family out to the ring. But instead, you had Nathan Frazier and Axiom Coming out for their match against Idris Inafe and Malik Blade. Which I thought was a great match. When Nathan Frazier and Axiom get in the win. Now after the match. um, The Wolf Dogs. They attack Frazier and Axiom. The family appear. And. The Wolf Dogs challenge Tony D and Stax. To a match. For the NXT Tag Team Championships. In which he accepted. And. That's going to take place next week. So, I think this sh- this was good for what it was. And, like I said, the match was great. And this also sets up the tag match between uh, Breaker and Corbin against Tony D and Stax. So, that should be good. We go to Ilya Dragonoff, He is in the ring. And he says, look, I went to war with Trick Williams on Sunday. He says, not only I respect Williams, but I like him. He says despite that, he couldn't allow him to slay the Mad Dragon. He says Williams gave him everything he had, and if anyone was going to beat him, he would be a worthy NXT champion. He calls out Carmelo Hayes and says, you've been accusing me of things that I didn't do over the past few months. He says, everything sees Hayes... Everyone sees his Hayes' true colors now. And he couldn't stand Williams reaching the height... The heights in NXT. He then calls him down the ring and calls him a traitorous son of a bitch. DiJack appears and he asks Dragunov, why are you obsessed with Hayes and Williams? And says, "Did I saw what he did at Vengeance Day. He says, he's willing to be bet Dragunov saw what he did to Joe Gacy at Vengeance Day and let's see Dragunov tells Dijak that tonight isn't the night for him to do this and Dijak says Dragunov must be feeling a little bit regular tonight standing in the ring with a broken nose he says he learned what it said like he learns what it uh means to break a man who thinks he's unbreakable by defeating Joe Gacy. And Dragunov advises Dijak to step aside. He says Dijak will suffer like he'll never have before when their paths cross again. Dijak clogs Dragunov, but Dragunov fights back and the two of them brawled, and that leads to the match that we're going to have in the main event. So I-, I thought the promo was good. I thought it was really, really good, and... uh. Yeah. That's the best way I could say it. It was good for what it was. Um we go backstage, we see Thea Hale and JC Jane. They are celebrating the success of the uh the Chase You calendars. Hale says she wants to watch Riley Os- Osborne in his upcoming match, but Jane advises her not to do so in order to not come off as too desperate a scene as they already agreed to Valentine's. To be Valentine's, which leads us to Lexis King and Riley Osborne. And I thought this was an okay match with Lexis King getting the win over um over Riley Osborne. Like I said, I thought it was okay. Um backstage, we see Um Izzy Dame and Keanu James um, teasing Brinley Reese. So she gives her the coffee and James takes it from Reese and pours it in the trash can. Which pretty much leads to a match next week between the two next week. So that's going to be interesting. We had a really good match with Roxanne Perez and Lola Vice, Which Roxanne Perez gets the win because of Tatum Paxley. And you can see where they could go with this. And I don't mind it. I don't mind where they're going with this because it seems to me that they're building towards um, Roxanne getting another opportunity at some point. They might even make it a fucking ladder match for the women's title. I think that's the direction that they're going to go with. But um, I thought this was really good. Uh, we had Lash Legend and Jakar Jackson. Defeating uh, Fallon Henley and Ren Sinclair. Like, I love seeing Maddie Winkowski in NXT. Like, I'm I'm just happy for the woman. She she literally deserves this. But, um... I thought this match was okay. I thought it was okay with, um... With Lash and Jakar getting the win. I, I love this. I thought this was pretty good. We go backstage and Brooke Jensen is approaching Josh Briggs. And... After some small talk, Jensen tells Briggs that, look, I'm lost without you in Finley. And Briggs tells Jensen, look, I'm not a kid anymore. He shoves him and tells him to stand on your own two feet. He tells Jensen, you either sit around crying or gain some, some courage, which that is a good point. Gain some courage or sit there, make excuses, and continue to cry about it, which... Which I agree with Josh Briggs on. Grow a pair man. Because if you sit there crying. You're going to have people taking your spot. And you don't want that. Do you? It's tough love. That's the best way I could say it. It was tough love. For uh, Mr. For Mr. Uh, Brooks Jensen. We go to Ava's office. And we see Jada Parker requesting a singles match against Adriana Rizzo. Uh, next week, which Ava agrees, but bans all the other members of OTM and the family from ringside. Rich Holland approaches Ava and asks to face all three members of Gallus at once. Ava agrees to give him one member at any at a time, but should he lose to any of them, then he can't go on to face the next member. Of uh, to face the next member, which Holland agreed. And that, that should be interesting. I'm looking forward to that. I think that should be pretty good. And then the main event, we had Elia off against DiJack. Now, to the surprise of anybody, to the surprise of anybody, was this another great match? And if you answered yes, you are absolutely fucking correct because this was another great Elia match. And I said this for, um... Like, I said this before and I'll say it again. I have never seen a bad match from Ilya Dragunov. Like, never. In WWE. He has been killing it on uh, on NXT right now. Like, he's making everybody look fucking good. And um, all I can say on that is... This was a great match with... <clears throat> with Ilya getting the win. After the match... Carmelo Hayes appears out of nowhere, Chop blocks Dragon off, grabs the NXT championship, and clocks him with it and holds the title on his head. So it seems to me what they're doing is they're setting up Carmelo and Elia, which, look, I don't mind. These two have amazing chemistry. Now, I don't know when they're going to do it. If you want to do Carmelo against Trick for the NXT title, I don't mind. But, Carmelo does not need the NXT championship. And that's a little reality. He does not need the NXT championship. There is really nothing else he can do on NXT. Besides have that match with Trick Williams. And I think Trick Williams is going to play a part and cost Carmelo the match. And he's going to get his revenge. And he challenges him to a match at NXT Stand and Deliver. And, I wouldn't, and there's going to be a stipulation. I think a stipulation is going to be added for um, this match. I would not mind that at all. But like I said, I thought this was a really, really good episode of NXT. Now let's talk about the WrestleMania kickoff. Which I really enjoyed. I thought this was a really good kickoff. And there were so many things that I have to mention. Now, The Rock was booed mercilessly. He was booed so hard that, um... Like, he was literally booed so hard that people did not want to see The Rock versus Roman at WrestleMania. But you had Triple H. He was a guest, and he was hyping up the history of WrestleMania. He talked about, um... Netflix signing with uh, WWE. And he promised a new WWE that's coming. Which, look. And we're in for the ride. Like, Vince is no longer working. I don't think a single McMahon is working for WWE right now. And that's good. That's good. We're into the new era. Yeah, Bianca, she's coming out. She came out. And she plugs her show. And she talked about B- Sasha Banks. Sasha Banks. Her and Sasha being the first African-American women's to main event of WrestleMania. She talked about beating Becky Lynch at WrestleMania. She talked about beating Asuka. And now she's in a predicament. Because I'm going into WrestleMania without a championship. And I like this. I like this. And the reason I like this is because it's getting ideas on what they could do. And she's like, you can't have WrestleMania without the EST. And I got a theory on what they could do. Now, we could say Jay Cargill, which honestly, I don't mind. I think Jay Cargill would be the right choice. But you got to ask yourself, is she really ready for that spot? If they want to make a big impact with, with Jay Cargill, they could have her beat Bianca Belair, which I would not mind. But it's not her time yet. Somebody said you could pair Bianca up with Jay Cargill and challenge the Kabuki Warriors for the tag titles, which I'm going to decline on that. Which, look, it would be nice, but it's just putting two top talents in the ring for the sake of adding a team. But what I really like is having Tiffany Stratton challenge Bianca Belair. I think that would be a really good marquee match if you ask me. And I will not have an issue with that one bit. I think that would be an excellent match. And I think you all agree as well. Because look, if you remember on SmackDown, she slapped Mee-Chan, she looked at Bianca Belair and says, look, I'm not afraid to step up to you. This could lead to a match at WrestleMania. Why not? Tiffany Stratton herself said that she would love to wrestle uh She would love to wrestle um, Bianca Belair. I think that would be a really good match. Why not? You had Rhea Ripley coming out. She was super over as all hell. Like, no no surprise. No surprise. Like, um, she was putting over her match with um, Rhea Ripley. No, with Nia Jax. She's going to... She promoted her match um for WrestleMania not WrestleMania for Elimination Chamber. And I I love that Becky Lynch came out and she literally she literally told her that I'm known to take spots from Golden Girls, and you're gonna see what it's like to be at the bottom, which I thought that was really good. And they pretty much told you that this is the match you're going to get for WrestleMania. Which, I wouldn't be shocked if Becky loses to uh, loses the Elimination Chamber. Because it's written right there. It's literally written right there. But the real one begins when you had Seth Rollins. He was on stage. He called out Cody Rose to finally make the decision. But... Roman Reigns comes out. And I love the line that Seth Rollins says, look, he finally decides to show up. And Roman's response, he finally decides, look, he's wearing his wife's shoes. So he tells Las Vegas to acknowledge him. And, and the tribal chief said, everyone should actually be talking about his decision because he's going to choose his own opponent at WrestleMania. And he chooses The Rock, which The Rock comes out. And there was a mixed crowd reaction. There was people, there was loud boos for The Rock. And now they when this music stopped playing, he started talking about the Rock versus Roman Reigns. And he talks about being the biggest main event in WrestleMania history. The We Want Cody chance were met with the opposing quieter. No, we don't. And he took the opportunity, because he did say this on the Pat McAfee show, he called them the Cody Crybabies. And then he was greeted with what chants? He showed the graphic of the Bloodline family tree, and he says it's proof that there's only one powerful and dominant royal family in professional wrestling. If you don't think that means The Rock versus Roman Reigns is the biggest main event in WrestleMania history, then it doesn't matter what you think. Whether you like it or not, the People's Champion versus the Universal Champion, Bound by Blood, is the biggest main event in WrestleMania history. And they embrace, and Cody says, hold up, hold up, hold up. He says, this right here, this is bullshit. And he says, it's not up to Roman or The Rock to determine the main event of WrestleMania 40. Cody's the one who won the Royal Rumble and he has made his decision. And he's like at the ma- at WrestleMania 40 in the main event, I choose you, Roman Reigns. And Cody says, no no no, not Cody. Roman says, you know you're wasting your time. You're ch- like you're a chapter in my book. You're past that. Like go challenge for the second belt, the loser bracket. The number two, the head of, like he, like I thought that was really good. Cody says, look, it doesn't matter who sits at the head of the table. Whether neither Rock nor Roman Reigns because, Ro- like Cody got heated when Rock says you're just as irrelevant, not the Rock, Roman says you're just as irrelevant like um your father. And this is the line that really got me. Cody says it doesn't matter who sits at the head of the table when neither The Rock nor Roman have done anything of the cooking order of the cooking over the last two years. Cody took a shot at the Bloodline's ancestry and that didn't sit well with Roman or The Rock. And The Rock says, look, if you talk about my ancestry, you're talking about mine. If you're talking about Rome, if you're talking about my blood... Then you're talking about me. Then we have a problem. Cody slap Cody got slapped by Dwayne Johnson and this is where it gets really great. They had this they were about to throw hands and I just looked I watched this segment like like 6 times and I'm like this is cinema. This is great. WWE knows what they're doing. And they executed it perfectly. I loved every second of that segment. And I I just think they did a really good job explaining how this would work. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I thought this was really good. But it left so many unanswered questions. What does Seth Rollins do at WrestleMania? Like, I hear that they might do rock and Roman against Cody and Seth at WrestleMania. Uh, I don't know if that's a good idea. I don't think that's a good idea. Because you can't have Rollins or you can't have four of these guys losing. And you do you honestly think The Rock is going to take the pin? You must be joking. Because I don't see that happening. Now, this also needs to answer why did Cody give up his opportunity for The Rock last week? There's still questions that need to be answered. Like, there's still questions that need to be answered. And we didn't get that yet. We didn't get that. So, there's that. And it's intriguing and it's conflicting, but I love it. I absolutely love it. It's a great time to be a pro wrestling fan. And WWE has done one thing. Get people talking. And that's exactly what they did. They got a lot of people talking for what happened on that show. I loved it. SmackDown Live took place at the Spectrum Center in Charlotte, North Carolina. And I thought overall, I thought this was a really good show. And I enjoyed, like, I really enjoyed it, in my honest opinion. Um... I know there were some questions regarding the Elimination Chamber qualifying match. But I'm here to tell you I don't have a problem with it. And I'll explain why. And uh, we actually kicked things off with Triple H. Paul Triple H Levesque. He's in the ring. And he's with the Raw and SmackDown general managers, Adam Pearce and Nick Aldis. He welcomes us to the show and says... Last night was an incredible kickoff event on the road of the grandest stage of them all. And at some point, they looked to a hard left turn, and now that road is on fire. But it feels really, really good. He wanted to come out here and clear up one thing. Rocky sucks. And then you have the chance erupt. He says there was some confusion and maybe some people don't know their role. Another call back, to, another call out to The Rock. <clears throat> um, So he, he wanted to set the record straight because people come out and try to assert their authority when they don't really have any. Here's the thing. I don't care where you sit, uh, Triple H says. There's one thing that's abundantly clear. Whether people like them or don't like them, the answers come from one place and one place only. And you're looking at them. Roman Reigns will defend his championship in the main event of WrestleMania against Cody Rhodes. And Triple H said some people in the back will be disappointed by that decision. They won't like that, but they won't like that decision. But here's the thing. It doesn't matter if you don't like that decision. Another call out to The Rock. Now Nick Aldis moves the topic on to the subject of Seth Rollins' defense of his World Heavyweight Championship, and says after much discussions, they've decided that the challenger will be decided in the Elimination Chamber, and tonight we're gonna begin. We're gonna begin a series of qualifying matches for that match. To reiterate that WWE management is a united front, he hands it over to Adam Pearce. Pearce directs our attention to the Tron, where 12 men who will be competing for the spot in the chamber are displayed. And these people are Randy Orton, Bronson Reed, Kevin Owens, Logan Paul, AJ Styles, The Miz, Bron- I'm about to say Braun Breaker, Bobby Lashley, Ivar, Drew McIntyre, Sami Zayn, Dominic Mysterio, and L.A. Knight. Yeah. But overall, I thought this was a really, really good segment and just showing Triple H asserting his authority, letting The Rock know that you don't run this shit. I do. So you have to answer to me. And it's going to get really interesting for next week cuz we're going to talk about another segment that involved Triple H and Paul Heyman because that makes the show even more more watchable. And I just love it when Triple H puts his foot down and he's like, "You know what? No, no, no. I run the ship. Nobody asks you to make the match. This is my decision." And it was Cody's decision to have the match against uh against um Roman Reigns, but I I love I love this. This was really fantastic, and people are thinking that oh Triple H is gonna wrestle The Rock. No, he cannot wrestle. He can't wrestle The Rock if he has a fucking pace mace, a pacemaker on um his chest. Like, do you really want to risk that? The answer is no. So, to people who are thinking oh this is gonna lead to The Rock versus Triple H, it would have happened years ago. But at this juncture, no. It's not going to happen. Whether people want to admit it or not, it's not. But Drew McIntyre comes out. Because he has a match against AJ Styles. And he's thanking us for providing... Providing... Uh, proving with their our rollets about CM Punk. As um. he does. And he promises us that Punk won't get one penny of his shirt... And he calls himself DM Hunk or DM Hump. I don't know. And he he takes credit for, for Cody deciding to finish his story. And says the last step in him saving WrestleMania is to save the world title. And all he has to do is go through the top stars. Of um. Go through the top stars. And. He'll finally get his moment to give us a champion we can be proud of and who is best for business. Now, we had AJ Styles coming out, and he's taking on Drew McIntyre. And I thought this was a good match. I thought this was was a good match with LA Knight watching um, on commentary. And I love the part where LA Knight didn't just throw the water at AJ Styles. He just tilted the water on AJ Styles. I thought that was pretty funny. Now, AJ Styles had the match won. Had it not been for had it not been for LA Knight. Now, AJ Styles turned around, he hit a he got hit with a Claymore kick and Drew McIntyre, the right man, advances to the elimination chamber. Now, I know people are going to ask, why is it a SmackDown talent? challenging for a raw title listen i know people are gonna make like complain about it they're gonna cry over spill milk about it but here's the thing there's only three believable names if you want to include four there's four believable names that's jay Uso, Sami Zayn, drew mcintyre and gunther but if you exclude gunther who currently holds The Intercontinental Championship, that's three. You don't have anybody else that's believable. And it shows the lack of uh, depth for the Raw side of things. And and I'm going to say this, and this is something that's really true. When the World Heavyweight title was announced, they had the Raw and SmackDown talents competing for said title. And that is something people don't talk about. That is something people don't uh, people don't remember, but I remember. And it was down to AJ Styles and Seth Rollins in Saudi Arabia, which Seth Rollins won, said title. So I do not have an issue with this at all. It's the same thing for the women. It's the same thing for the women. There's not enough star power or somebody that's credible enough to challenge Rhea Ripley. Like, you got Bianca and Becky, which makes sense. And don't worry, we're going to talk more about the women later because I do have news about a potential spoiler because WWE accidentally leaked it. And it looks like that's going to change. I don't know. But I don't have an issue with it like everybody else is. I think this is fine. And like, and I know it defeats the purpose of the brand split, but this is what I want the Elimination Chamber to be. I want the Elimination Chamber to be about who will face what champion at WrestleMania. I think that's the best way you could do it. And I like it. So I have no issue with this at all. Caleb Braxton was backstage with Sami Zayn. And he says, The last week has taught us that nothing is certain in WWE. Especially around WrestleMania season. It's an emotional time for everyone and last year he was in the main event and this year he was the window. The window is closing fast and he has to look at the facts in front of him. Tonight he's got a qualifying match against twelve, no, 13 time champion, one of the best to ever do it, Randy Orton. And if he gets through Orton... He goes to the chamber against Drew McIntyre, a man he's never beaten. It's not an easy path, but it's a path, and he'll take it. So, this is just them. Uh, this is a good backstage promo for uh, Sami Zayn. And it makes you want to see Sami Zayn go to WrestleMania, because his WrestleMania is questionable. We don't know what um his plan is going into WrestleMania. We get a pretty deadly vignette, and they're looking at the clouds, and Kit Wilson hands is all chewed up after what happened to Pete Dunay. Who is Pete Dunay and Tyler Bate? Who are those people? I don't know those people. But, I mean, <laughs> but it's pretty funny, but pretty deadly. They're just mad about Pete Dunne and Tyler Bate. And, uh, yeah, but uh, it was a simple vignette. Really not much I could say about it. We have Bianca Belair versus Mi Chan. This is the women's elimination uh, qualifier match, elimination chamber qualifying match. And look, Mi Chan, she's good, and I'm glad they're giving her more screen time, and I think that's the right thing for her. And I don't know what the hell they're doing with the Good Brothers. That's just another thing I'm adding. Um, but you know, honestly think Mia Yim was gonna beat Bianca Belair? The answer. Is no. She was not beating Bianca Belair. But she looked good. Bianca was going to win regardless. And now she joins Becky Lynch. In the Women's Elimination Chamber match. And. um, I do want to mention this. And there's a bit of a spoiler. So. This is what we got. Um, We had a graphic. That was posted on WWE.com. And. It showed who will be participating. In the Women's Elimination Chamber match. Now, plans can change. You never know. Plans can change. Cause according to the graphic, it will be Liv Morgan who will be going up against Zoe Starks uh, on Monday Night Raw. We have Naomi who will be competing on SmackDown, her first SmackDown match since returning. Um, cause she will be taking on if I could find the uh Because we know Rock and Roman, they're going to be here next week. So we got Naomi versus Alina Vega. I think that's going to be a great match. We have Tiffany Stratton taking on Shanty, which, I mean, come on. Tiffany Stratton is winning that. And you also have in the mix Jay Cargill. Now, I don't know if it's the right decision to have like Jay Cargill in the elimination chamber. But you never know. You never know. Now, I do want to mention WrestleMania for a bit. Like, especially on the women's side. We already know we got Io defending her title against Bailey. More than likely, the World Women's Championship is going to be Becky and Rhea. There's nothing for Bianca Belair. There's nothing for Bianca Belair. There's different options. People say Jay Cargill, which, I mean, that is a dream match. Don't get me wrong. But the question is... Is she ready for that spot against Bianca? And that's the thing we need answers. If not, you could do Tiffany Stratton. I could see Tiffany Stratton um, being eliminated and she takes all her anger out on Bianca that leads to a match at WrestleMania. Where does that leave Jade Cargill? Remember Nia Jax at the Royal Rumble? You can do... You can do... Naya versus Jade Cargill. But she's still a free agent. So she could go any brand she wants. Until she is signed to said brand. Whether it's the draft or whatever. We don't know. But plans can always change. But we all knew Bianca was going to qualify. But the match itself. I thought it was solid for what it was. Now we go backstage. We see Braun Breaker. A guy who I think more than likely is going to get called up sooner rather than later. Um, He is going to be on either Raw or SmackDown. Triple H meets him and he congratulates him on his growth and says he's anxious to see what he does at the next level. Now, Braun asks him for advice. What? Where should I sign? Where should I sign? And he tells him, now, before he tells him anything, Paul Heyman, comes in, and he shakes hands with Braun Breaker, because look, if you put Paul Heyman with Braun Breaker, that's fucking great, (laughs) that is fucking great, I would not mind that at all, Braun Breaker a Paul Heyman guy, sign me the fuck up, I think that would be perfect, whether on Raw, whether on SmackDown, I don't care, I think, That would be an excellent pairing, whether you want to admit that or not. I think that would be an excellent-ass pairing, in my honest opinion. Now, Braun Breaker leaves. Paul says he's a hell of a talent, and Triple H asks, what do you want? Heyman says, look, I know it's not a good time, and he'll come back next week, and when he does, he'll be with his tribal chief, Roman Reigns, and the high chief who is above the tribal chief, the rock. And Triple H says he's looking forward to it. So that makes it even more interesting. I can't wait to see where this goes. Bailey. Bailey comes out, gets a nice ovation, and says a big part of her wants to think last week didn't happen at all. And before we started chant before we started chanting her name, she figured lots of us would think she had it coming. And she'll take it. She says, whether you like her or not, we're cool right now because we've been with her on this whole journey and we know what's in her heart. She says, I gave and gave to Damage Control and all they did was take from her. So she thought after she won the Rumble, maybe they all be happy for her and everything would be fine. But that didn't happen. She talks about them laughing behind her, behind, laughing behind her back and shutting up Whenever she walked in the room. And she's had that happen too often to not learn her lesson. And she says, at WrestleMania, EO Sky is going to learn that lesson the hard way. This brings out Dakota Kai. Dakota Kai comes out. And she's literally apologetic that Bayley isn't answering her calls. And Bayley asks, where were you last week? And Kai says... She's really close to being cleared and had her doctor's appointment, but Bailey isn't buying it and tells her she must have known what was going on. Now Dakota says she was in a tough spot because she always believed in damage control and what Bailey created, and so did Io. Up until Oscar and Kyrie sane, um, like how Oscar and Kyrie sane came along and got in her head. Bailey acts. Why didn't she say anything? And Dakota says she wanted to. She wanted to, but she didn't know how. She says she misses it when it was just the three of them, and it felt like they could do no wrong. And Bailey had always been a mentor to her, and it seemed to be working. And it seemed like her plan was working. Oscar and Kyrie win the women's tag titles. Bailey wins the rumble. Io wins the women's title. And they were so close to having it all, and she thought it would blow over, but it didn't. Now Bailey says, "Okay, well they're right here now. Where do you stand?" This brings out Io, Oscar, and Kyrie, saying all three Joshi's holding gold. I love to see it. That makes me happy. So they surround Bailey. Kai grabs. A steel chair, okay? She grabs a steel chair, and she's thinking about hitting Bailey. Well, you know she's planning on hitting Bailey, but she swings it at EO, Kyrie and Oscar, they retreat, and she stops mid swing on Bailey. And I like this, and I want people to put respect on Bailey because this woman is literally the best thing In um, this company right now. Like, they're giving her her flowers. And that's something I like to see. I want to see Bailey get more flowers. But this story is so intriguing that I'm really interested to see... To see how it goes. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm, I'm really curious to see how this goes. And I... I honestly cannot tell you how excited I am to see what happens at WrestleMania. Look, I will not mind if Bailey. I will not mind if Bailey beats um like I would not mind if Bailey beats EO for the title. The main uh the main person we gotta talk about is Dakota Kai. Where does DK stand? Where does she stand on this? Because there's so many questions about Dakota Kai. Does she align with Bailey? Cuz it looked like she is for now, but I don't trust Bailey. I do not trust Bailey. No, no, no. I don't trust Dakota Kai. Cuz I feel like she's going to stab her in the back. I think that's what's going to happen. She's going to stab her in the back. You could do either or stab her in the back with that chair shot at WrestleMania or she turns she turns on her after the match after she beats eo for the title either way it works i will not complain at all i think it is a great time to be a pro wrestling fan like honestly a great time to be a pro wrestling fan but i'm really curious to see where this women's title story goes like i really am caleb braxton is backstage with um randy orton and he says look sammy was right about It not being given to make it at WrestleMania and watching from home uh, from last year was horrible. But he learned an invaluable lesson about patience. As far as Roman Reigns is concerned, he'll sit back and uh, wait. And if everything comes his way and he plans on having everything going his way, like, he'll be in the Elimination Chamber and... It'll be the three dangerous letters in sports entertainment. R-K-O. So that was another good uh, promo by Randy Orton. We had DIY taking on British Strong Style, which is Tyler Bate and Pete Dunne. This was a good match. As much as I wanted it to be like an NXT TakeOver X match, we weren't going to get that. I mean, I felt like it could have been more I'm not going to ask for much you know I'm not like I said I thought this was really good and British Strong Style they will take on Judgment Day at Elimination Chamber which I think should be a really good match I think that's going to be a really really good match and I think they're saving DIY's title win um at Wrestlemania I think that would be the perfect time to do the title change that's just me if you ask me. Now we were supposed to find out who Logan Paul was gonna face for the United States Championship, but I guarantee the plans change because of uh of the storyline. I know this of the WrestleMania stuff that was supposed to happen originally. And we know he's gonna face the Miz. Um he's gonna face the Miz. But if you want my predictions for um the the um <clears throat> I uh the men's elimination chamber qualifying match we know Bobby Lashley's taken on Bronson Reed we know uh Kevin Owens is taken on Dominic Mysterio and Ivar is taken on LA Knight so let's start with Bronson Reed and Bobby Lashley we can make a case for Bobby Lashley. We can make a case for him because I think he he has the star power, but I honestly would love to see um like honestly I would love to see him uh be in there, but I think Bronson is gonna win it because of the final testament. I think they're gonna get involved. They're gonna cost Bobby the match, which honestly, yes, I was yes, it would protect um it would, protect, uh, it would protect him, but at the same time, it's just, I don't know. But I would like to see Bronson in there. Uh, for Dominic and Kevin Owens, Kevin Owens would make sense. Logan Paul is going to beat The Miz. And I would have Ivar win. I would have Ivar win because of AJ Styles. He's going to give... L.A. Knight a receipt for what happened to him on Friday. I think that's the direction that they're going to go with. And I would not mind that at all. I think that would be a really good idea. Now, speaking of the Elimination Chamber Qualifier match, we have Randy Orton versus Sami Zayn. I thought this was a really good main event with Randy Orton getting the win with the RKO, which is a thing of beauty. And you had Drew McIntyre coming in, stay Post match and they're doing this face off, so he joins Drew McIntyre and the other four I mentioned. I feel like those are my picks for the men's elimination chamber match. And overall, like I thought, it was a really good good episode of SmackDown. I'm really happy for, uh, like, I'm really happy for uh, for this show and. There's really not much I can say about it, but I hope you guys have an amazing Super Bowl. Which honestly, I don't really care about it. Like I know it's the same team, but I want something different. But whether you're barbecuing, whether you're ordering pizza, or you're probably doing something else, um, just have a good Super Bowl. Mm, make sure you guys follow me on Twitter, Shino D Phoenix. Follow me on Instagram, Cool Man Sip. That's you. No, no, not Cool Man Sip. Shino Phoenix. Cool Man Sip is dead. Uh, TikTok, Shino D. Phoenix. Like the Facebook page, No One's Ready For Wrestling. Subscribe to my YouTube channel, Shino uh, D. Phoenix. And follow me on Twitch, Shino Phoenix. So until then, take care, be safe, support wrestling as much as you can, and this Phoenix flies off. I'll talk to you all later. Have a great week. Peace.